Welcome to Prime Alpha's interview series, insights from industry practitioners discussing their journey and their discoveries. Hello, my name is Amanda Jogia, the CEO of Prime Alpha, an online ecosystem bringing together alternative opportunities and their investors. I would like to introduce Chris Johnson, a co-founder and managing partner of Taylor Ridge Capital Management, a lender focusing on construction and bridge loans secured by sub-institutional residential assets. Chris has worked in roles in investment management, finance, and corporate law. He holds a Bachelor of Law from the University of Zurich in Switzerland, where he grew up, and an MBA from NYU Stern. Welcome, Chris. Nice to have you here. Thank you. Let's start by talking about what led you here. Tell us about your career journey and your journey from Switzerland. Sure. So I grew up in Switzerland, which is a little bit unorthodox, obviously. So I'm half Swiss. My mother's Swiss. My dad's American, but he was in private banking. So we moved there in the 80s. And so I grew up there, went to law school there, and then moved to New York for a job in corporate law. I spent a lot of my early career years figuring out what I didn't want to do, which included corporate law. Uh, it, was, it was a really amazing experience. Though. I was at Wachtell Lipton, and it was uh, a spectacular time. I just was not for me for the long run. And then ended up going back to business school, worked for a family office that had a merchant banking business right after B school, and then transitioned into wealth management, which may sound unusual, but given my dad's in private banking, it was always sort of a close to home kind of thing. And then I ended up going off on myself from there and you know, always liked alternative investments, had been involved in allocation to alternative investments in several of those roles. And so I actually found the strategy that we're now running as an allocator originally. And so that's how that all came together. So what was that pivotal moment when you said, you know, this is why I'm going to go off on my own. This is why, and this is what I want to accomplish. I was at Merrill Lynch and the compliance was driving me absolutely crazy. Mm. And I was just absolutely overworking for other people and especially working for big institutions. And I sort of took a leap of faith. I basically had a few clients and then started doing some consulting engagements as well. But so it was very much sort of an act of frustration at first, but I always wanted to be self-employed eventually, but it was always this question of, have you had enough experience to really go out on your own and have credibility and sort of threaded that needle? Probably did it a little too early, but it was the right thing mentally. So what was that opportunity you saw in the market to develop your company? Well, I got to know this space as an allocator. It was very unique to me because growing up in Europe, the row houses cost millions of dollars in Switzerland. So the idea of having small businesses, mostly with debt, acquiring these sort of sub-institutional residential assets, one to six units, was totally foreign to me. And the idea that you could be getting sort of mid to high teen returns financing these types of things was also unusual. The first time I saw the strategy, I basically thought, this looks too good to be true. What is wrong with it? I started learning more and more about it. And I'm like, well, there are a lot of things you can do wrong running this strategy, but if you do it right, it's actually a really good risk-adjusted return. And it's a really big market. It's just super decentralized. So I got very excited about it there. I originally was an LP in a strategy like this, and then I ended up consulting for that firm more on the uh, regulatory and sort of strategic growth side at first and got more and more into the weeds. And then the opportunity arose to start one of these from scratch with three partners. And it was March of 2020. It was a very exciting time and we did it anyway. So <laughs> that's where we are now. 
wait a minute, March of 2020, like the onset of COVID? <laughs> yes, it was absolutely disastrous timing. Raising money on Zoom in May of 2020 was probably the most horrific thing I ever had to do. Wow. Okay. That's kind of crazy and amazing at the same time. Not only are you starting a new firm, but you're learning to do things in a totally new way. Yeah, it was an adjustment, but it worked very well, actually. So we have we had one partner in New York, I'm in New Jersey, and then we have two partners in Massachusetts. And so it actually worked pretty well. We would just we never used Zoom before. We were always on the phone. And so now we use Zoom all the time. Yeah, I think we're all kind of addicted <laughs> Zoom addicts. So I know it's only been two years since you started the firm, but have you had to develop or pivot your thesis or business in any way? Not really. So we've definitely had to tweak things on the margin. and That's sort of how we like to think about things. So we've been building everything out to scale, which was a little daunting at first. We started really small and we were building all this stuff that was built for a firm that was a hundred times bigger. But it was actually really good because we got to test out stuff while we were still small and realize what worked and didn't work and sort of fix it before it was really a big deal. And so that's sort of how we've been going about things. That's awesome. I think it's with everything. It's like when you can build it and beta before it goes into big time, it's like the right process. Private credit has really grown tremendously over the last five years having it backed by real assets, residential assets makes a lot of sense. How do you think about the product or how do you help your clients? When you ask me about my clients, I think about two sides of the business. I have clients who are our borrowers and we have clients who are our investors, right? And so for the borrowers, if we're doing everything right, the only time we go after new borrowers is when we were growing. It's all repeat business. And that already tells you a lot. Like we want to be partners for these guys. We want them to succeed. And we want to be working with people who are really building and running a business themselves. And so there, it's really being their trusted specialty lender and business partner. For the investors, it depends very much on who the investor is. You have sort of older, high and ultra high net worth folks where it's really, it's a bond replacement. They're used to having income and they don't have income anymore. And so that is wonderful, obviously. And then for those looking at it more from a portfolio perspective, it's about uncorrelated, difficult to replicate alpha. I think especially with the Fed having rates as low as they are, so many asset classes are much more correlated than they used to be. And so having something that it's not like we're immune to rates or immune to nuclear war, or whatever people are talking about right now, but it is still fairly uncorrelated compared to everything else that's out there. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to find any kind of yield or, or any kind of income because, I mean, it's so interesting because it's like you have these, what normally is high inflation have like the polar opposite. <laughs> and so where do you go? Yeah, it's gotten more challenging to manage. I feel like in late 19, early 2020, there was a lot of hope. Yes, we had that sort of taper and rate hike tantrum in 18, but there was some hope that we could get back to a more normal real economy with rates eventually normalizing. And then COVID just sort of threw a wrench into everything. I mean, we're beyond uncharted territory in terms of fiscal and monetary policy at this point. So who knows where this is going to go? Right. I agree with you. I mean, you had such a really interesting background coming from Switzerland, being a lawyer or, or going to law school and completely changing, kind of pivoting. What do you feel that you're right, whether it's business or life? Well, I mean, I guess in life overall, I think figuring out what you don't want is a very important thing in life generally. And I, some of that the hard way and some of the easy way, but I'm pretty happy with where I've landed, which I think is a nice thing to be able to say in your mid thirties. And 
In terms of the business, I think the biggest thing is that we have a team that is really aligned in terms of interests. We all have a very long-term view. We would all like to still be running this in 10, maybe even 20 years. And that's great because we're not trying to do anything short-term. And I think a lot of the issues with institutional money management is everything is about the short-term. You know, you're talking about the exit, everything is about the quarter or even the daily mark. And it's nice to be working on something that you think is going to be around for the long run. Right. You're building something. Yep. Um, that repetitive customer base coming back. You're building relationships. So this is my favorite question. What do you think is your superpower and why? Well, I'm not really sure I believe in superpowers. <laughs> I'm not sure if I do believe in them that I have any. I mean, I would say in terms of this business and what has served me the best, it's probably humility. I mean, first of all, in terms of the team, we're much more than the sum of the parts. I'm a generalist, so I'm probably the most useless person, but we have a head of business development who is a wonderful salesperson. We have two real estate guys who have been living and breathing this forever. And it's sort of the being humble enough to not want to do everything yourself and not having to be the rock star, I think actually makes you a much better business person. And I think the same holds true for the market, because the one thing that I've learned, I sort of started my career right into the financial crisis. And then the most recent thing has been COVID. And so, especially as a lender, being humble is good because our upside is capped. But if we do anything stupid or we get carried away, the downside is pretty meaningful. I like humility on that front. Yeah, I think humility really is sometimes lacking in the world, uh, <laughs> but it's, I think it's extremely important. And I think it keeps you grounded, especially in this business. I think so. And it's, I don't know, I think we should encourage it more than we do. But as an investor, when you're managing other people's capital, you know, I think being humble is a good place to start. Uh, I agree. Thank you, Chris, for your time. It was a pleasure. And we'll definitely have to do another part of a podcast on private credit, residential assets. I'd love that. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Prime Alpha's Visionaries and Innovators podcasts. As always, you can head over to primealpha.com to sign up to our email list as well as check out our other podcasts. See you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase any investment or any securities. Listeners should make their own investigations and evaluations of the information contained herein. Certain information contained in this podcast constitutes forward-looking statements. Listeners should not rely on these forward-looking statements. Listeners should bear in mind past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. Mm -hmm.